We stand together, united as one. Forward on we go, facing friend and foe. We will know what it is. We have not time for that. If we make mistakes, we are lost. Hello and welcome to the Alleycast. So today um, we've got Ben Tench on again. He's going to be the first guy who's been on the Alleycast twice. Uh, and I decided to get him back on after he completed his seven marathons in seven days, carrying over eighty pounds. Uh, and he's raised a phenomenal amount for uh, support our paras uh, and for the Pilgrim Bandit. So uh, I'm not going to waffle on today. Let's jump straight into my chat with Ben Tench. Hello, buddy. How you doing? You alright? Yeah, good. Thanks, and you? Yeah, spot on, mate. Really, really good. Good to see you. Good. And you? <laughs> All recovered, or? It hit me like a bit of a train about Wednesday, last Wednesday, Thursday. Um, that was the first sort of day in 10 days. I took my foot off the gas. Well, we're moving house and going back to work and then I yeah it was the Wednesday I had a bit of an easier day at work and by the afternoon I was just all over the place <laughs> the gaffer was like are you alright and I'm like no not at all <laughs> I just feel absolutely wasted like somebody's beaten me with a baseball bat where did the idea come from to do seven marathons in, in seven days with, with 80 pound on your back what what had, you, what had you been smoking that day? <laughs> <laughs> well, to start with, um, there's an event that's held locally uh, to me in Worcester um, called the Seven Deadly Sins. And it was a, an event that you could do either a 5K, 10K, half marathon or marathon distance every day for seven days. And you got a different medal each day. And I entered that. And then after I'd entered it, thought, well, you know what, I could. I wonder if I'll tab this. And uh, spoke to the organisers, and they were loving that idea. Yeah, oh, we've never had anybody uh, do that. It's normally just a running event. So, uh, unfortunately, the pandemic put paid to that. So they cancelled their event, and I'd already put the wheels in motion with work I'd booked the time off um, so just thought you know what sod it I'm, I'm going to do it and thought while I'm doing it I'll raise a bit of money uh, for a couple of charities and um, the £80 really came from thinking how can I make it more appealing for people to donate um, because I, I could have quite easily done it with 35, 40 pound normal event weight. But then I thought, well, people just think, yeah, you know, lots of people go out with that on the back, albeit not for seven marathon distances. But so I thought the 80 pound, I carried it uh, a couple of times in the Battle for the Golden Road series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I wasn't going into it blind as regards how, how much it weighed. 
um, what it would feel like. But obviously, I'd never done it over such a long distance. And um, that, once I got going, that was very telling. Um, I wouldn't say I underestimated it, but the effect it, it had on me every day was, um, in one way, quite a bit of a shock. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll go into that. But I was just thinking then when you were talking about um, how you looked at it and initially thought, yeah, sort of doing seven marathons, seven days, thirty-five pound. Yeah, what are people going to think? They're going to think that's quite normal. But what what would you have thought if somebody had told you that they were going to do that back when you were sort of getting back and in, getting into your park runs and stuff like that a couple of years ago? I, well, yeah, I would have thought they were um, <laughs> off their trolley. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think it's um, once once I thought about doing that event and knew said to myself that's what I'm going to be doing. Mm. You start getting yourself into, or I I certainly do start getting myself into that mindset of this is what I'm doing. It's got to be done, and going from there really. Um, but yeah. Um, you know, it, as we've said before, for different people, you know, uh, carrying a thirty-five pound Bergen, you know, it's it's an achievement and it's not an easy feat. We, like like yourself, we've done fan dances and you know, it, it it's a it is a brutal thing, isn't it? Oh, Especially yeah, totally. if you, yeah. you haven't built up to it, and um, so. Yeah, if somebody had said that to me when I was doing park runs, right? <laughs> next week I want you to do seven marathon distances in, in seven days with eighty pounds. I, I think I'd have used a few expletives and uh, told them to jog on. <laughs> I, I know, I know what you're saying though, because now if, if somebody said to me, "Look, we want you to do a charity event. You're going to do seven marathons, seven days." I'd think, "Yeah, that's tough," but yeah, I can give that a go. You know what I mean? There's a good chance I'm yeah. going to finish that. But um, yeah, sort of back when I first started, there's absolutely no. There's, there's, I would have just thought that was that was you know looking back at the sort of challenges back then, and the only sort of people that you saw doing things like that was the likes of Eddie Izzard and stuff like that, and you're like, fucking that yeah. guy's a nutcase, wouldn't you? But yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, after I read your your, your Ali Adventure blog, the importance of pain, and you mm. you, you you mentioned in that you said. Uh, do I know if Ben could complete this? No, I don't, and uh, neither does he. Yeah, um, it's very true. I've never taken on anything of this magnitude. Mm. Um, I, I think the the furthest I or the the furthest distance I'd done would have been the Nine Acre Marches, which was a hundred mile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in four days, but I think I think we were only carrying twenty pound or mm. twenty five pound. Um, and it was that wasn't too bad back then, but um, yeah, I I didn't know if I could complete it. No, but I had to believe I could. Yeah, and that that's all part of the challenge, though, isn't it? Because I was I was talking to I'm part of like a sort of a, a coaching group, a, a group of people, and we were talking the other day about um, taking on challenges, and I was saying now that if if I 
there are events out there that I know I'm going to complete. You know, I'm going to do a 5K, yeah. 10K. I know I'm going to finish that. Um, don't know where I'm going to come in the park. I might might come in the middle, might come, at, might come last, don't know. But even if I injure myself, I'm going to finish a 5 or 10K. That's that's not, that, that's a non-negotiable. But I think when you're looking at the events that I want to take on during the year now, I'm looking for those events that I'm not sure I'm going to finish because yeah. because that, that that's where the challenge is, isn't it? That's that's right. Yeah, I mean, it's all about finding new limits, isn't it? Mm. Um, and I completed a um, a fifty mile event in one hit mm. uh, the end of December, the yeah. Avalanche Fest of fifty. And I'll come on to it later, but I was I, I felt some residual effects of that yeah. while I was doing this last challenge, um, which again made it all the more difficult yeah and i'll, I'll come into that um i'd also done the Longming hike which was a 50 uh, mile in 24 hours pr- uh, event and that's pretty arduous that's over some pretty rough country hmm. um where avalanche uh held their old faithful event it's that's part of the course and you go over um a range in Shropshire called the Stiper Stones, which is exceedingly rough country. Um, and I'd, I'd, I've done that a few times. So um, I knew to a certain extent I could push myself quite hard, but whether I could, I, at the time when I started, whether I could have pushed myself to do the seven marathons in seven days, um, for me was a bit of an unknown. But I just kept trying to push that to the back of my head, really. So, and, uh, yeah, sorry, Michael. And, I mean, in the build-up to it, uh, promoting it on Gone Tabin and the Black Sheep group pages, and the support there was uh, great. Mm. And, you know, I don't think from the time I put the plan into motion... Uh, the support ever wavered no. uh, from people like yourself, Carl Russian, JR, um, the GT admin group, mm. the usual suspects within GT that are all, you know, the um, John Vans, Steve Ellums. They were all there saying, right, we're right behind you. Yeah. Give it your best. We'll help in any way we can. And, and um, the difference that made really was immense um that level of support and uh, in some ways that provided a little bit of extra motivation as yeah. well but knowing that those people had backed me from the start um a lot of people had already donated um to the charities to me just giving page even uh, a couple of months before the event started so that was a, almost a little bit of added pressure mm. um, to get it done. Um, I, I suppose nobody nobody likes to uh, make themselves look like they've overreached the, their grasp, or um, and I, the bottom line, although. I was doing the challenge to uh, push me limits. The serious side of it was I was trying to raise funds for the charities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and um, we, we've succeeded in doing that. 
um, which is great. So, um, yeah, I'm really thankful for the support that everybody had given me because that was a major boost in the build-up. Yeah, so obviously I know you're always training, you're always training for something, you're always out there doing it, but when did the event-specific training start for your, your, your seven marathons, seven days? How long was that, that run-up? Um, well, I think when I um, when we recorded the Alicast episode before where you yep. interviewed me, I think I just started training uh, for the GT Team Speed March yep. record attempt. Yeah which the training for that is still ongoing. Mm. So that was coming into play and that was quite a structured training program um, geared up to doing a marathon distance loaded. So um, quite a lot of CF running, um, which was really beneficial to me um, because it sounds silly, but um, one of the worst things you can do is be going out with weight all the time, isn't it? Yeah. Because yeah. You, you end up just burning yourself out, don't you? If you're going out with, if I'd have been training every session with 80 pounds on my back, mm. I'd, have, I'd have burnt myself out long before I um, got to the start. Um, so that, pretty much up until Christmas, I was doing that, that training program. Mm. It was in place for the, the world record attempt. Yeah. Then uh, somebody mentioned to me that the British Legion had a charity challenge on in January, <laughs> carrying 80 pounds. And somebody said, well, that'll be good build-up. It's only five miles a day. <laughs> but it was for every day in January. And yeah. I thought, well, that's going to cut, cut things a little bit too fine because it's only going to leave me seven days before I start my challenge. Mm. And if I injure myself during that, I'm going to have no time to recover. And I, I don't want to have to cancel at the last minute because yeah. um, I didn't know whether I was going to get a chance to do my challenge uh, later on in the year. So I condensed that challenge down into uh, just over two weeks. So I, I increased the mileage I was doing every day, but it was still um, manageable. It was working out on average about seven miles a day. Mm. So still manageable. Um, but it's it's amazing what we can put up with over a shorter distance. And what it proved to me after the first day of my challenge, carrying 80 pound over a longer distance, the marathon distance, was the way I got my Bergen set up because I hadn't actually done a marathon distance with that weight. Mm. I think the the furthest distance I did was uh, the 15 miles when you laid on the Alicast fan bands. All right, okay, yep, yep. So, and that was the same time as I was doing the British Legion Challenge. Mm. So that was the furthest I I. I'd gone with 80 pound and that was a, a pace mm. and it's amazing what we'll put up with over a short time period or a short distance in terms of discomfort things not being quite right in the setup but you think I've only got to put up with it for a couple of hours or six or seven miles I can live with that because once I get back I can sort it out 
Um, so that British Legion Challenge and the Alicast Fan Dance were, were really good prep in one way, built me strength up um, and me endurance for my challenge. Um, but also, it, it, uh, I was able to work out because I had a choice of burgundies to wear exactly which suited me best yeah. in terms of comfort and what was carrying the load better uh, um, for me. And uh, after the first Amy challenge, it soon became evident that comfort was everything. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so after after the British Legion challenge, I gave myself pretty much a full ten days off. Well, I was just ticking over, doing slow CF runs here and there, and unfortunately, life through a spanner in the works the beginning of February. We were due to move house in the middle of January. Things got delayed. Uh, tenants that were in our new house hung on. So we ended up moving uh, two days prior to my challenge. And then during the week that my challenge was taking place. Yeah. Um, and again, I'll cover how that affected me during the day in a minute. But yep. um, so the week preceding me challenge, when I thought everything was going to plan, actually then took a backward step. Mm. And instead of being as prepared as I wanted to be, mentally, I, I took a backward step. Mm. And that was when the support, the outside support, became even more crucial. Yeah. Uh, because I wasn't. I mean, the the night before, the hot, the the nerves kicked in, and then the sort of self doubt. I'm not ready for this now. It's suddenly this last week. I've really dropped the ball. Um, and. You know, I'm I'm really not in the right place for this, but it's got to go ahead. Mm. You know, this is it. People have donated. I'm. It's all planned. I've got the week off work. You know, it's been pushed on social media. Everybody's now looking at this, so that's it. Just get on, go for it, um, take it as it comes. Yeah, and it's 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 in those sort of weeks and days before, isn't it? And even months before, where you, you've planned it, like you say, you've put it out there on social media, and everybody's there. You've got all that support there as well. People are all behind you, and you're getting that rush as well because you're really sort of excited about doing it yourself. Um, yeah. And then, it, it, yeah, it, it's only like a couple of days before, and even if you think of events like people doing the first fan dance, or even I think you know one of the beauties about the sort of fan dance series is the way you can you can sort of ramp that up. Like you, you don't know if you're going to finish your fan dance, and you finish it, and then you're like, well, I don't know if I can do a double tap. So you do that, and you can just sort of build that up, can't you? But yeah, I think yeah, yeah that night before when you when you your almost subconscious mind goes into that self preservation mode and goes, no, I, I want I want to try and keep it alive here, and this isn't a great idea. That's when that's yeah. that's when those voices start in your head, isn't it? Yeah, so I mean, the first morning, me, 
I had a plan in mind that every day I was going to set off at 7 a.m. and aim to do the marathon distance in as close to eight hours as I could. Because then I was thinking I'll get in roughly three in the afternoon, do my admin, cold bath, chill out for the evening, and, uh, you know, give myself plenty of time in the evening, sort any niggles out, and I'm ready for the following morning. Like I said, unfortunately, that didn't go to plan, and most evenings were spent either loading vehicles, packing, taking things to storage, um, and so my recovery every day was in some some evenings was nil. Mm. It was literally 10, 11 o'clock. Um, you know, I'm still up. I'm still wired, so to speak. Uh, you know, everything's, yeah, yeah. the head's going, the mind's still active, and and I'm, yeah, you know, thinking, my God, I, I haven't even, I haven't even finished getting me food and me, yeah, me camel back fill for tomorrow morning. Mm. You know, I haven't, I haven't cleaned my boots or I haven't sorted my tape and my plasters out, and and you know, I just in, in, there was a couple of days where I just had to think. It got to a late stage in the evening, and I I, I had to tell myself that's it, just switch off, yeah, yeah. get up an hour earlier, mm. do what needs to be done then. But just stop now before you, otherwise you're going to be up all night, you're going to be thinking about everything and you're going to feel twice as bad in the morning. Just, that's it, shut off. Um, yeah, I mean, I've never been one, I'm not a calorie counter either. So the night before the first day, I'm very much a big believer in I'd rather eat something I really enjoy, mm. no matter how how not unhealthy it is, but how how much it goes against the grain of what yeah. you should eat before doing an event. But if that puts me in a better mindset for the morning, because I've had a beer and a curry the <laughs> night before, rather than pasta or you know, get me uh, something that would maybe be a more benefit, but. Yeah. I'm going to wake up in the morning thinking, you know, I, I didn't enjoy that. Um, so that's what I did the night before the first day. I think I did. I, I had a curry and a, a can of beer. Mm. But, right, that's it. I'm going to get up tomorrow and go for it. <laughs> the first day, yeah. I, I I went out and the adrenaline was running I put in a really good time. I think mm. I completed it in about seven hours. Wow. And um, I was pretty rigid with my stops. Again, the plan, I had a plan. Every six and a half miles, stop for no more than a quarter of an hour. Yeah, yeah. yeah. En enough time to make a brew. Uh, I was carrying all my um, food on my person that I was going to eat throughout the day. And I just had emergency food and uh, rat packs in the Bergen if I had to stop and cook a meal. Mm. Um, and that seemed to work really well. 
that and it also broke the day up into quarters yeah so all i focused on was that six and a half miles mm. so as soon as i started i was counting down from six and a half right that's it i'm at zero this is me stop bang and then next one six and a half count down again and just broke it up like that and I pretty much try and do that with most events I do. Break it down into a fraction. Yeah. Quarters or thirds and and take it like that. But I'm always counting down. Mm. I never I never count the miles up. No, 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 no. Um, no. I never go, right, I'm at mile five, now I've got to get to mile ten. I always count down. And that works for me. Yeah. It's just that little mental trick with me that seems to help. Yeah, that, um, that's, that's pretty much my strategy as well as the, uh, the the counting down from like you know even on the fan dance I tend to count down. I started off on that counting down the miles, uh, and then I, I, it seems to be more motivating me to count down the kilometres. But for me, again, it just it, it depends on what events I'm doing. That's, that's yeah. how I did it. Um, I I mean, food wise, I was um, I was eating pretty well beforehand. Mm. So I wasn't eating a lot until lunchtime. Yeah. And then I was shoveling down a couple of pasties. Yeah. Um, and it was quite quite amusing because a friend of mine who lives right on the Devon Cornwall border was horrified by my choice of pasty <laughs> for the event, which you could see in the pictures. Uh, that's not a proper... Cornish pasty, and he couriered me up some homemade um, <laughs> pasties. <Yeah. laughs> so the following big parcel on the doorstep the following yeah. day. Uh, yeah, I want you to have some proper food, none of that rubbish, um, <laughs> which was most welcome. Yeah, um, but I was finding if I was eating well beforehand, a snack after six and a half miles, um, some nuts. Um, maybe a flapjack mm. and then something more substantial at lunchtime and then sometimes the third me third and last stop of the day I didn't feel hungry yeah yeah, yeah. I might just have a, a handful of sweets or mm. um, it was more important at that point uh, uh, fluid I was finding mm. for myself and I've never I've, I've never taken on a lot of fluid when I've tabbed yeah um, I can quite easily go 15 miles without even taking too much mm. water on at all a couple of mouthfuls but I was finding when I was getting to that uh, sort of 20 21 mile point that was yeah I would, a, a brew was most welcome then yeah and then I think my magic number each day mileage that I had to get to was as soon as I hit 16 point or as soon as I knew in the head I'd done 16.2 miles and I'd only got 10 to go mm. that was my magic number yeah um because it it seemed to be at around that point that were that was when everything Certainly after the first day, everything just, all the little arries and niggles just started to surface then. Yeah. Around yeah. that point every day, the shoulders just started to get that little bit sore. The feet started to uh, hurt a bit more. And um, 
So knowing that I was counting down then 10 miles and I, I just put it into terms of like events thinking, well, a Paris 10 mm. is 10 miles. And I've done that no end of times. Yeah. You know, I, I know I can do this. And, and um, as other people on your podcast have alluded, and mine, it's that positive mindset, isn't it? Believing yeah. that you, you can do it and pushing through when you're hurting, really. Mm. And uh, not letting your, your body um, boss you around too much, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because, like, like I said before, your, your body's just in survival mode, isn't it? All it's it's got what you, yeah. your mind's got one job, and that's to keep you alive. So once you yeah. <laughs> once you get into that point where everything's hurting, it's like, nah, this isn't a good idea. You, you need to stop now. But it's it's that whole Goggins mentality, isn't it? Of like when you feel you're completely knackered and you've got no more, you're only forty percent done. And I think, yeah, I think once you, I think if you can get that into your mind and you know, think, well, you know, this this is just this is just my body going into self-preservation mode now. But I've got a lot more here to do, and and you always find that towards the end of a race because you can be absolutely knackered towards the end of a marathon, a five k, whatever. But as soon as you see that finish line, suddenly you've got tons of energy and you can sprint yeah. <laughs> right into the line. So, so what did the end of the first day feel like for you? Well. Um... As I was going through, I felt really good on that first day. Um, I'd done quite a big circular route from where I lived. Uh, so it was very scenic. Uh, I had views of the Shropshire Hills. Um, it, most most of the days, I mean, 90% of where I went was on-road. Yeah. Um, and that was just due to the weather conditions at the time. Um and uh, and uh, the COVID restrictions, really. It was just easier for me to go to and from where I was living. Mm. Um, about two-thirds of the way through the first day, though, I started um, feeling a little niggle on the back of one of my heels. Yeah. And when I did the Festive 50 Avalanche event in December... I opted to do that in one hit. Me and two other guys from uh, Grand Tabin opted to do the full 50 miles in one stint. And I very foolishly, because of the wet weather, wore a pair of boots that I hadn't properly broken in. Mm. And after I got to about 30 miles on that event and started feeling uh, the old hot spots coming, thought... Well, changed my socks, looked at my feet. They looked a little bit tender, put a bit of cream on it, changed my socks, thought it'll be right. Got to 40 miles and thought, that's a little bit more now than just a hot spot. Hmm. But I'm 40 miles in, 10 to go. I'm not taking my boot off now. Yeah. It was tipping down with rain. I was in the middle of nowhere. I thought, I'm just going to guts this out. When I got back home, I got a hole in the back of my heel about the size of a golf ball. Mm. Uh, and I've never suffered with bad heels before. Um, so anyway, completed that. And a couple of weeks later, it had pretty much healed up. And I thought, yeah, that's, you know, that's fine. I'd been tabbing every day with the British Legion Challenge. It hadn't been giving me any grief. I taped it up. Um two thirds of the way through the first day in the challenge, 
and I was wearing boots I'd been training in for months, really comfortable. And I just felt that it felt uh, the feeling was like when you get a little bit of grit in your trainer or your mm. boot and it's niggling. And that was the feeling I got. Took my boot off. Uh, and I th yeah, I think I was about 17 mile. And just saw a little patch of blood on, on my sock and yeah. thought, oh no, here we go. <laughs> Took my sock off and there was a hole about the size of a five or ten pence piece right. in the back of my heel. I thought, I mean, my weight in my burgeon, um predominantly usable kit, so I got a pretty good first aid kit on board. Stuffed the hole full of gauze, compete plaster on that, taped over it, carried on, got to the end of the day, thought, right, that's it, got that day out of the way. But again, that was another little element creeping in. Now, is that really going to uh, alter how this event, this challenge is going to go now? Is that is that going to manifest itself into something tomorrow that I can't yeah. uh, put right or I can't live with? Um, touch wood. Um, me, me admin on me feet seemed to work as the challenge went through. Mm. Um, I had to tweak things here and there. I'd had gel insoles in my boots because of all the extra padding on my heel. Um, I had to take those out because my toes then started rubbing because my heel was pushing my toes further up. All the padding was pushing my toes further into my boot. Uh, so I took my gel insoles out, which meant as the challenge went on, I was getting sore feet on the bottoms of my feet, on the balls of my yeah. feet. Um, but luckily it didn't blister. It, it was just sore, yeah, yeah, um, or bruised maybe, um, but it didn't it didn't turn into blisters. Luckily for me, mm. so I just managed to uh, keep going um, on that. Um, the weather, I mean, the weather helped. It wasn't very wet, mm. um, so my feet were pretty dry yeah, yeah. every day. Um, but it was bitterly cold. Mm. Um, uh, uh, we had snow on occasions. Yeah. Um, and pretty much every day, it, uh, it was hovering above freezing, just above freezing. A couple of days, it was minus four. Um, and that played uh, a big part in the clothing. Um, because it was too, on Sundays, it was too cold just to have the old tech t-shirt on. Um, you were having to throw a jacket on, but then you were you were sweating buckets by the time you you got halfway round. And another reason why I didn't want to stop for too long on my breaks, yeah. fifteen minutes. By the time I'd stopped for fifteen minutes, the cold was starting to get into me then, and uh, I was seizing up. So, you know, certainly um, the last day of the challenge, my breaks were even shorter yeah, I was gotcha. sort of yeah. five minutes mm. just enough to get some fluid on board a bit of food and um, a way to go again which was your which was your hardest day would you say of the whole challenge because some people might think that's going to be the last but was it 
Um, no, I think it was probably the fifth day, mm. um, or or building up to the fifth day. After I finished the fourth day, I, th I felt after that fourth day, I did feel um, spent. Mm. I, you know, I, it was things were starting to catch up then. The the continuous um, pounding on the roads just the, the physicality of it and it was at that fourth day that I really then started to question myself mm. and it was yeah you know what this this is is the hardest thing I've ever done yeah that, that's when it really sank in and, and it was like now, this, now it's painful mm. now this is where I've, I've I've got to push through this, or it's going to get the better of me. I was fortunate because I had a an impromptu visit from uh, GT legend Andy Thompson. Yeah, he turned up on the on that fifth morning, and it was like, wow. Um, right, I planned to do relays, six and a half mile relays to and from home. So my breaks were always going to be at home, so I could I could make sure I had hot drinks quickly, and I could get back out the door pretty quick. And if I was in any difficulty, you know, my wife was on hand uh, to help me out. But um, when Andy turned up, I thought, "Sod it! I'll change my day. I'll change what I was going to do." And I did a big circular route. Mm. And um, he actually took my mind off what was going on um, with, with a great deal of reverse psychology, I might add, telling me uh, how bad the following day was going to be, not to worry <laughs> about, not to, not to worry about today. Yeah, cheers, mate. Tomorrow. <laughs> um, and in one way, I was hated him for it. Um, but on another, on the other hand, all I could do was laugh. <laughs> and um, again, we we got to uh, the third stop, and it was like, you, you know what? I, I don't feel like we've been out for mm. five hours. You know, it, it could have been three. Um, and I actually finished that day feeling very good. Yeah, good, good. And I, I, I've got to say, I mean, the amount of messages and videos I was getting every day from people, and um, it became quite a routine. You could, you almost knew when the the phone sort of beeped in your pocket, and you looked at the time. You almost knew who it was going to be. <laughs> Because you, I got to know like, people's shift patterns because <laughs> they'd be sending me messages yeah. and videos before they started work or yeah, yeah. when they were coming in from their runs, and, and it became quite a regular thing, and um, and that and that was good. And quite there was quite a few times, especially when I was tabbing on my own, people sent whether it was just coincidence or good timing or. But there was a quite a few times people sent me messages at very 
um, dark, very precise moments when yeah, I yeah. really needed picking. Yeah, yeah. And uh, um, I was very thankful for that. Yeah, I can imagine. Very thankful. I was, I was just thinking then when you were but saying, yeah, the fifth, I was thinking then when you said you were going to do relays sort of back and forward from your house, that I think on the fifth day, if I'd have been doing that, that would have been absolute torture for me because I think getting to that place of comfort on the end of each of them relays would have just, that would have upped the mental game for me <laughs> immensely. Well, I, I know where you're coming from on that. Yeah. But I think the fact that we were moving house and the house was virtually mm. empty. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it didn't really feel like home then. Okay, all right. Um, we, it was probably helped on that score because we had people in decorating and mm. that sort of thing. So um, that probably helped from that that uh, comfort side of um, uh, thinking. Um, it was more for, for for a safety aspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for myself, um, to be honest, because a couple of days when the weather were was bad um, and my me, me feet were hurting and I'm thinking if I've really got to do some serious admin on my feet, yeah I've got the kit on me mm. but it really is that cold Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be stopping for too long exposed you know and I know I, I've always got a shelter with me, I've always got a basher I've always got a, a tarp but again setting it up it's all eating into time. Mm. Um, so, uh, me thinking behind the st- relays to and from home were just purely from, for me, from that admin point of view. Right, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so we're looking, I mean, lo- lo- looking at sort of doing that event, you got you got to your sort of fifth day and then, yeah, you can't even say it, can you? You know, some people might go, "Well, you you only had two days to go after that, but it's not, it's two more marathons carrying eighty pounds." What? Yeah, I, I should imagine for me, although the last day would probably be hard. You know, it's your last day, so so going into day six yeah. was was that was, was day six as equally as terrible as, as Andy said it, said it was going to be. Um, <laughs> not not so much physically, but. Um, the stress started to build then mm. because, like you say, your, your last day is your last day. Yeah, you're going to finish it if it kills you, aren't you? are just going to finish it no matter what. Yeah. Especially when you, you've done that much leading up to yeah. it. So the sixth day was more about me not doing anything silly, mm. not not slip it because the roads were pretty icy at that point. Um, it was about not slipping over with 80 pounds on my back, really. Yeah. Twisting, twisting something, spraining an ankle, or or doing something that was going to make the last day impossible. Yeah. Not just painful, but making it so that there was no way I could complete it. Um, because at that point that would have been devastating. Mm. Um, I don't, I don't know if I would have coped with that, to be honest. Um, so. The sixth day took me a little bit longer because my pace was slower. Yeah. I sort of took it steady. Um, and I, I think the sixth day, 
all throughout the day. I was just purely trying to put out me or trying to tell myself, um, you've got it, it's in, you know, you can do this. Um, I was listening to people's videos then and as I was going round. Um, every, and literally when I finished that six day, I probably played every motivational video that everybody had sent me or I got saved on my phone and just anything that I thought would just give me that edge for the, the last day really. Mm. Um, cause that, that, that's all I was worried about was not doing anything silly that was going to yeah. jeopardize the last day. Mm. Um, it was painful yeah. and, and the way the weight was really telling by then the shoulders, the shoulders by then were sore and, the thing is, with eighty pounds, I, I, I say, I, it seems easy for me to say, and I know it's it's not easy for for a lot of people. I say only thirty five pound, but w when you're carrying thirty five pound, if you've got a blister or your hips are or your bergen's rubbing your back, you can compensate a little bit. Mm. You can adjust the way you you tab or the way you jogging or to to offset it a little bit. Mm. There's no way you can do that carrying eighty pounds. No, if your feet if your feet are sore and you've got a blister on the bottom of your foot, you've just got to march on that blister. Mm. Yeah, and it, and it, it's going to hurt even more. But there's nothing you can do about that. And Every time I try just to shift the bergen a little bit, ease the strap off a little bit, you know, it just shifted the discomfort to a hip or a knee. So I just, in the end, I just dismissed it. Mm. Yeah, and that that was quite a hard thing to do during the challenge. Yeah, yeah. You, you, not, the body, the body. Sorry, your body's telling you to to compensate mm. isn't it? it it's telling you well put your weight on your other side because that's hurting or yeah and, and, you, and you just can't do it no no it's just no it's... way no. um again prep with the kit is is essential anybody gonna that's going on to the the next cycle of the golden road challenge when the heavy carries come in um getting those heavy weights set up right in your bergen is just key mm. um i i have my bergen made up i have 50 pound of usable kit yeah so all me all me hill kit um first aid wet kit warm kit uh even though i wasn't going out in the dark head to uh, two head torches yeah. all the batteries um spare food shelters um my cooker spare gas all, all the works yeah yeah and, and then on top of that i had a 25 pound um plate carrier so that was a plate carrier and four plates in it right and that fitted just nicely uh down the back of the bergen mm. um because it because it sat quite flat it was it was actually quite comfortable right okay yeah and then somebody did ask me well 
could you have worn the plate carrier with plates in the front and like had less weight in the burden? So you, I, I would have still been carrying eighty pounds. And I tried it on the British Legion challenge, and it just didn't work for me. No. I found it restricted me breathing, restricted me performance totally, and I found it far easier just to put it inside the Bergen. Mm. And then I had the extra weight. I've got some ankle weights, yep. which my wife used to wear uh, when she was doing hurdles training. Okay. Yep. And they're quite good because they're they're sand filled and you can either roll them up or lay them flat and they'll mold and that made that made me up to the 80 pounds and then me camelback and me emergency food was on top of that okay so the actual weight was probably around 86 88 pounds all told yeah um and to put that into perspective i weighed myself after the second day of the challenge and I'd lost about five pounds in weight mm. over the first two days, yeah. even with the extra yeah. food intake. Um, and to put that into perspective, I was weighing 156 pounds. Wow. So yeah. I, I, I was carrying just Fairly over half my weight. Crazy, mate. Absolutely I stopped crazy. weighing myself after the second day. <laughs> I, I thought, because if I start losing too much weight I'm going to I'm going to start getting worried about that yeah yeah, yeah. so it's just if I don't I don't know yeah no most definitely so but, so, yeah. so sorry mate so so kit wise were you a, was was it a standard Bergen you were wearing or was it was it it was, it, it was a Berghaus um, Cyclops Bergen okay, okay, yeah, okay. Uh, which I've been gi- I've been given second hand yeah it wasn't it wasn't new uh, when I bought it and I had um, I also had a Dragon Supply Spartanburgen. Yeah. Which they're they're two totally different types of uh, of Bergen in uh, aspect. There, Burghaus is uh, more like a standard army Bergen. Yep. Yeah. It's that, was... that that one main compartment, mm. uh, two side pouches. Yep. And then you've got a pocket on the lid. Um, whereas the Spartanburgen has lots of smaller pouches on the outside. Mm. When I tested it with £80, I was filling the pouches on the outside of the Spartanburgen, and that tended to make uh, the weight then tended to pull me back yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it, did, it wasn't sat quite high enough on my back. Mm. So I opted for the Berghaus model. Yeah. Um, it's got quite a padded hip belt, uh, which helped. I don't, I'm don't. i not really a big fan of hip belts, but on this occasion, carrying that way, oh, it, gotcha. yeah, yeah. It, it, it really uh, was a godsend. The straps were really well padded. Yeah. Um, and they were standard straps. I had them altered. Mm. And then I... I Zip tied my camel back to the back of the Bergen, mm. which um, for ease of filling was great. But with the extreme cold weather, although it was an insulated camel back, obviously the fluid in it still yeah. got really cold. Mm. Um, I, did, I don't mind. 
Sorry, mate, lost you there. Hello? Other people might. Yeah. It didn't bother me. Um, that, um, it, it didn't bother me personally, um, but it might not be to some people's taste. Yeah. Drinking uh, really cold water, um, I, I didn't mind it. Um, but that, I was the Bergensbergen. I managed to keep all the me heavyweight right up in the top of the Bergen, and it just I, I just found. With that weight, I really had to do the straps up tight, which um, a lot of people say don't do the straps up too tight because it cuts the circulation off in the arms. Mm. But the only trouble it the only trouble is with that weight, I found once I got the bergen on, I couldn't adjust the straps; they almost locked into position, and I could I couldn't make them any tighter. Then while I was on the move. So what I found was I had to do them really tight when I set off mm. and then maybe just loosen them off a fraction as I was going. What were you doing boots wise? Uh, were you, were you, were you uh, rotating your boots or did you wear the same ones all the way along? Same pair um, wow. every day. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was wearing uh, lower desert elite boots. Yep. With, I've, I've had a few pairs off and lower had kindly donated them to me for the challenge. And I've been training in them for quite a few months. Um, the only they're a really wide fitting boot, which I've got quite wide feet, um, so they suited me in that respect. Um, your feet tend uh, my feet were sweating less in those than other boots I got with Gore-Tex lining in. Mm. Um, the only downside to them is you've only got to go through a puddle in them. And your feet are wet, yeah, yeah, because they're desert boots. Um, I mean, what a, lower not designing desert boots to cope with water. I mean, no, <laughs> I never. No. Um, That's all no, right. I mean, I mean um, by the time I'd finished the challenge, which was 185 miles, uh, the soles on them hardly looked like they'd worn, and. I've probably done another four or five hundred miles build-up in them before that. Wow, cool. So, uh, and they're still as good now as pretty much when I started training with them. Brilliant, brilliant. That's a, that's a good idea for lower boots then, definitely. Yeah, I, 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 like I say, I've had these lower desert boots. I probably, I think this is probably my fourth pair okay. over, over time. Mm. Um, and I, I've had several other mates of boots. Some I've got on with really well. Yeah. Um, others not so well. Um, but uh, as you know, everybody's different, aren't they? When it comes to footwear, no one person's the same. And, and um, yeah, t- totally. I think I've I've only now just found that that pair of boots that that feel like slippers to me because I've used all sorts, and then I've I've bought these. Um, I bought a pair of Scarpa Evos. And they, right. they're amazing. Absolutely, I've been out tapping in them and walking in them now, and probably the best boots I've had. But, but whereas it probably wouldn't suit somebody else. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. So. So yeah, I I found that I I told myself I wasn't going to rotate my boots. Mm. Um. I thought if I'm going okay with one pair, just stick with it. 
Because yeah. I, I had got an older pair of the same model of boot okay. on standby in case something happened. Um, something happened to the soles or, or the stitching or whatever. So I had got another pair of boots on standby, but um, I, I, I had said to myself I was just going to stick with the same um, boots throughout the week. But a little ritual I try and do when uh, is... Uh, before each event, I always try and wear new socks. Mm. Um, so I didn't quite treat myself to a new pair for every day uh, <laughs> of the challenge, um, but I, I, I have four four new pairs. Yeah. So um, and that's again, that's something that seems to work for me on an event. Yeah. Whether whether that's just a bit of you know, personal superstition or, or whatever, or it, it's in the head that I've got a brand new pair of socks on and they're not going to give me any trouble mm. I, with my feet. I don't know. But it, again, it's something that seems to work for me. And I, um, I tend just to wear one thick pair of socks. Yeah. 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 Um, and that works for me. Mm. I don't tend to tape or I haven't taped my feet up until this challenge. I tend not to take my toes. I'm a big um, lover of compede. Yep. Um, again, that seems to work for me. Taping doesn't no. on the whole, although I had to take my me, me heels um, on this challenge. Um, but yeah, compede is always uh, in my first aid getting great supply <laughs> it's amazing though, because like you say i think socks are something that people sort of really really overlook and i think i did it first i would just throw whatever socks that i had like i mean i again i'm not a great one for taping i will take my heel because i do suffer with my heel sometimes not not for a while touch wood but i think for me it's the the ingingy socks um the sort of little glove socks that they they've yeah. been a godsend for me put them on I've never had to take my toes since then, but you know, it works for me. It probably wouldn't work for somebody else, which is thing, isn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, I was intending to uh, try them before the challenge, and it was just one of those things. Mm. I, I didn't, I didn't manage to, so I just stuck with what I'd always used. Mm. Um, but I will definitely be be trying them in the future. I, I um, am a massive fan, mate. I'll tell you, what, I, I would recommend them to anybody for a try. But yeah, they do, they do look after your feet really well. I, I feel. And again, uh, I've I found a, a really um, uh, about twelve eighteen months ago a really good pair of lightweight combat trousers uh, or cargo trousers. Um, I think I picked them up for about six pounds on the internet. <laughs> uh, you know, probably um, manufactured in some sweatshop somewhere, and um, I just. I wore them every day mm. during the challenge. Just every, every every night, rinsed them out, yeah, dried them off, and they're really comfortable. If you get wet during the day, within half an hour they're dry, and the pockets were are a good size. You can always store your food, a map mm. in the pockets. Um, but unfortunately, at the end of the challenge, I. I pretty much worn them till they <laughs> fell apart. The seams were going, but I was determined that they were going to last seven days. Um, so now that will be the next thing, sort of kit-wise, I have to look at is uh, a decent pair of 
Tabin trousers now. And I'm sure if I uh, trawl the Gone Tabin site, that um, there'll be several recommendations coming through. Most, so. most definitely. So, what your last day, mate? When you get up on the last day and you're going out, we uh, we are up extra early. We uh, it must it must have been like Christmas morning in some ways, knowing that this was going to be your last day. It yeah, um, it was. I've been keeping tabs on um, on the fundraising side of it mm. throughout, and it was it really started to kick in on that sort of fifth day where donations just seemed to flood in. Yeah, and um, GT admin were putting lots of posts up for me, black sheep, yourself, and yeah. That that was the that was the major motivator on that that day. Mm. It was like wow, this is all pulled together, and I think that last day I was getting messages. Me, me, I took two phones out with me, one for me tracking, and one just to you know answer messages and um, and. Uh, watch uh, videos that people were sending and um, just the the messages from people I didn't even know mm. were flooding in from other um, uh, groups on social media um, some, some people that uh, were allied with the charities that I've been supporting um, but I've never actually uh, spoken to them before or met them before and um, yeah, so that last day, all this was happening, and uh, sort of, I was getting up most mornings about half five, quarter to six. I'd be going down, getting my breakfast ready, start taping my feet, start doing my little uh, videos for social media, um, answering any messages that had come in the night before. And it was on that point of that last day, I think it got to half six. And it was, wow, this is this is something else. The support, where's, who, who are all these people? Yeah. You know, yeah. There was well over 100 messages on that last morning. Wow, wow. And I was like, wow, you know, totally overwhelmed by that. Um, the weather on that last day was lousy absolutely terrible it was the roads were uh, very very icy the temperature was minus 5 minus 8 with the wind wind chill and um, we had some snow at times as well it was just as if uh, nature had said right for your last day this is our donation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> have that. Um, and again, um, one of my friends turned up on my second relay leg. That, that last day, I was doing relays from home. Mm. And he turned up on the, the second, no, sorry, the third leg. And... The we- it was at that point the weather was pretty bad um, 
and I was at that point I was spent then yeah in the corner and even though it was the last day it was that you know every step started to become Mm. slower and I was I think the last leg I was having to stop pretty much every mile just sort of find somewhere to lean against take the weight off the just even if it was just 30 seconds and then head off again and then it was uh, I suppose the last mile and I could I could see the finish and it was you know what I can, I can do a couple more miles <laughs> I can, you know every, everybody's gone that extra mile for me this week mm. Everybody's all the support, all the donations. You know what? I'm going to chuck a couple of extra miles in. Mm-hmm. And I got to the marathon distance, and that last two miles actually were probably two of the most enjoyable. Yeah. Out of the whole week, that last two, and I suppose in one way that it was because that was for everybody else. The 183 before that have mostly been for me. Yeah. Pushing my limits, but those last two were the culmination of what I was doing for everyone else. Yeah. And um, pre- pressure was off, I suppose, wasn't it? And you you, you almost had permission yeah. to. You had permission to stop any time you like, whereas before you couldn't stop. Now yeah. you, you could if you wanted to. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. No, nobody would. Nobody would. If I'd have just finished on that marathon distance, that would have been it. I'd have done what I said I was going to do. But it was, yeah. You know what? I'm going to check. Throw a couple of extra miles in, and um, yeah, they were two of the most enjoyable. But then um, again, got home, did a little video, sat there, and. it, it was difficult to actually take in what I'd, how many miles I'd actually done. Uh, almost hard to comprehend that I'd actually completed it. Mm. And somebody, uh, I was half expecting somebody on uh, on one of the group pages to say, "You know what? I'll, if you go out again tomorrow, I'll check <laughs> a bit more money." In. And thankfully, thankfully, nobody did. <laughs> <laughs> and some somebody asked me a couple of days later could you have gone out the following day could you have done another marathon distance and the honest answer was would I have wanted to absolutely not mm. could I have gone out yeah mm. because I think you after that seven day, you, you'd almost, you know what, what, what would another day have been? Yeah. You'd just do, it. do it. But I wouldn't have wanted to. No, God, no. No, I mean, say an amazing amount of money uh, raised. I'm, I'm just looking now, so including your gift aid, but at what, £5,788.61 today, including gift aid, so... That. Yeah, this, um, I've still got 
I, I'm, I'm pretty confident in actual donations I'll hit the £5,000 mark in the next week or so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because I've got a couple of private sponsors still to come in. Yeah, I mean, um, without gift aid, it's only what another two hundred and eight quid, isn't it? So um, I think I think just while we're on now, if anybody who is listening, if they go to ukvirginmoneygiving.com forward slash bentench two, um, I'll stick that in the in the in the notes as well. But if you just head over there again, just just the Virgin Money Giving website and uh, forward slash bentench two on the end, you can, you can still donate. I'm looking, there's donations still going in there up to nineteenth twentieth of this month, so people are still yeah, banging the money yeah, in there, aren't they? It's still open. Oh yeah, and I mean there was so many anonymous donations, and I mean some really very mm. generous donations. Yeah, yeah. I mean every every donation was generous, especially in these tough times when people are on furlough and or maybe out of work. I, I was, you know, I was overwhelmed by how generous people were, um, and there was. There were certain people within the community that um, really pushed the fundraising on their own pages, mm. and I know I know there was a lot of people that didn't even know me. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, but donated because their friends had put it on their pages, and mm. and, um, and that was great. Um, and the charity I've, I've had. Um, several communications from both the charities, yeah. uh, Pilgrim Bandits and Support Our Barrows, and they're, they're over the moon with what's been raised mm. and very appreciative of um, what everybody's done. And uh, so, uh, yeah, they're, they're very, very pleasing on that on that score. Yeah, I'm very happy with that. Yeah, look, most definitely, mate. And you know, I think it was going to be when you mentioned this you were going to do this to me like sort of last year I was thinking you know well the support teams are going to be there I'm going to be there there's going to be other people there will be to support you it's going to be hard but you've got those people around but to actually still commit to doing that knowing that you wouldn't have those physical support teams um, is, is just a testament to your sort of mental strength because yeah you know I, I know you were you were doing it from home and, and and the original plans as regards going to the peaks and all that didn't didn't come about but you can't take anything away from from this and that. doing any sort of event like that solo is is immense i mean if i if i'm honest with myself i mean maybe the way i wanted to do it in the hills uh, and go into the peaks and reckon that may have been a step too far hmm. Uh, at that time, I mean, it was it, it was hard enough as it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and maybe that would have been a step too far doing it the way I'd originally planned, and, may, and then maybe I wouldn't have completed it, and maybe then it wouldn't have had the impact for the charities as well. So, I mean, looking back on it now, I can only, you know, I'm really, really pleased with the way gotcha. everything went. It you know, um, and now I've, I've just got to sort of think, what's next? <laughs> that that was going to be my next question. What, what I know we've got the, I know you're sort of working towards the sort of record attempt as well, and, and getting on that team. But as regards your own challenges, what is next? What, what it is? Well, there's no guarantee with uh, the GT Speed March attempt. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'll be there in the supportive role. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, at least. Uh, the way the guys are smashing the training and some of the times that they're 
again in some of their training runs now. I mean, I may not be good enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, there's lads that are really putting the work in, and um, you know, fair play. Yeah, hats off to them. So, um, you know, I, I've just got to wait and see whether I can make the cut for that. Um, so, but there is maybe a, another couple of loaded world records I may go for um, next year, early next year. Mm. Um, maybe an 80 pound marathon. Um, maybe a little bit heavier. Who knows? Um, <laughs> um, who knows? But um, definitely be something along that lines anyway. So, um, yeah, I mean, you you should be really. really... We'll, we'll see. I mean, uh, oh, sorry, mate. Go on. Sorry, mate. No, no, I'll go on you first. Um, I, I've been watching uh, yourself and uh, Greg Bradley start to do these fastest known time routes, mm. and um, you know, I never know. You, you know, I I may sort of delve into that a little bit. Um, you know, um, I'm, I'm sure somebody will come up with an idea for me on not having before too long. Yeah, uh, <laughs> somebody will, somebody will put something forward. Um, Definitely. And there's always plenty of slabs to bag with uh, GT anyway. Yeah. So uh, hopefully, with the new restrictions uh, or restriction advice coming this week in the next couple of months hopefully things will start to ease and we can hopefully by may june maybe start getting out again yeah i mean i'm really really hopeful uh, now that, be... that we're going to get the fan dance this year i think you know unless something goes drastically wrong we're, we're, we're looking fairly settled i think for july now aren't we so yeah yeah i mean um at the minute i mean um I'm entering the Milton Keynes um, half marathon, which is in May on the bank holiday weekend. Right. And they're very hopeful that that's going to go ahead. Cool. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the future's looking quite good. Whether, whether events have to adopt different ways of starting the race, staggered starts, or, you know, maybe limiting the numbers if it's a, a, a big event um, but yeah it, it is looking like we are going to get some actual events in this year which I think uh, certainly in our community is going to be uh, very uh, much needed definitely definitely so, uh, yeah I think look you, you should be really really proud of what you've done because I know you know uh, we're all proud of, of what you've you, you've achieved there because it is a, an amazing uh, an amazing feat to do that with that well, weight. So, I mean, it, w it wouldn't have been possible, and uh, um, um, without the support of the groups and the community, mm. uh, and me friends in the personal life and wife supporting me, it wouldn't have been possible um, to have done and raise the money we did. And I say we because it is a collective mm. thing. The charities were the group charities, and you know um, it was a fantastic effort by everybody concerned. And yeah, I, I pushed my limits and did 
something out of my comfort zone. But um, I just hope that maybe I've uh, pushed somebody to go out and do something out of their comfort zone, and um, and um, or hopefully I can help somebody um, with whatever they're doing in the in the coming year or yep. two years or whatever, and support them either physically or you know in any way really. Yeah. To achieve their goals. Excellent. Look, I think you've inspired a lot of people, and I've noticed in the past couple of weeks we've had a lot more members coming into Gone Tabin as well. So they've sort of come into the come into the community when they've seen you actually doing this. Um, and, and I would urge any any of those new people that they're in and they're listening to the podcast for the first time as well to go back and listen to the first podcast me and you did together because that sort of delves a little bit back into your story, doesn't it, and, and where you sort of came from. And I think yeah, you know, to, to to see that development from where you've started off and then into park run and then and then fan dance and, and doing this as well i think that that will inspire people even more as well because you know uh, you are definitely an inspiration to to, to the long established members of the group never mind the new people i mean the underlying message is isn't it i mean that anything is possible i think people can do a lot more than they think they can themselves and sometimes it's just that little push or that little bit of motivation from the group that can propel you forward. And as as we've said many times in the past, we're all ordinary people um, that are doing extraordinary things with our time and our efforts. And and um, a mile's a mile, no matter how how you do it, isn't it? No matter how fast or what you're carrying, a mile over over the ground is a mile covered. And it's uh, it's better to be out covering the ground than it is to be sat on the couch and um, you know and uh, again I think with the we've said it before with the progression of the GT's new troops the air troop bushcraft and boat troops and canine troop this year hopefully once restrictions start lifted there's going to be that scope for people to get more involved on a wider level as well the black sheep events certainly the ones later in the year going to go ahead I would imagine like you said the fan dance hopefully the Paris 10 so there, I mean there's so much out there really to look forward to hopefully we can uh, get a couple of group get togethers or you know and uh, everyone uh, meet up properly excellent look a great place to finish mate um, so wise words on that thanks very much for, for for taking the challenge on because you've pushed everybody else as well so we've well, all got, thank you. Thank you. we've all got to up our game now I think so <laughs> Um, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> cool. All right. Cheers, mate. Thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Cheers, buddy. Thanks, Steve. Right. Bye. Take care. Bye. So that's it. Uh, ben Tench, um, you can still donate to his uh, to his challenge. Um, if you look on the Alleycast page or even on Ben Tench's page, Gone Tavern, you will see the link there that will take you through to the uh, the Virgin Money Giving link to, to give to Pilgrim and Bandits. Uh, you can also donate direct to Pilgrim Bandits or support our panners. And um, just in the comments section when you donate to them, just, just put that it's you're donating in response to Ben Tench's challenge. 
So uh, I've got a couple more guests lined up over the next couple of weeks. So I'm going to meet up uh, with those on Zoom and uh, get those out to you as soon as possible from both inside and outside the GT world. Uh, once again, thank you for listening. And remember, always a little further. We stand together, united as one. Forward on we go, facing friend and foe. We will know what it is. We have not time for that. If we make mistakes, we are lost. <laughs>